Last week, we talked about how to retain volunteers and donors. This week, we're talking about how huge impact pairs with exit strategy. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited because today we are doing a special podcast episode. I'm sure as many of you have heard on Saturday, August 14th, Haiti got hit with a 7.2 magnitude earthquake. It is just absolutely crazy down there. And just to start off, I just want to introduce Deanna Stewart. She is the executive director of ORSI. That's the Orthopedic Relief Services International. And she and her organization have been put in charge of coordinating all U.S. relief to Haiti in terms of medical stuff like just talking to you there's so much that you're doing before we jump into the interview I just want to let everyone who is listening know um, if this is something that you've been realizing this is a big deal um, they need help and I want to be able to help Orsi is a great organization to donate to and right off the bat you can pause this and go do that at Orsi um, it's O-R-S international.org um, and that will get you connected there so Deanna first of all thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us um, we're so excited to help you get the word out and just to have our listeners learn more about your organization. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's been kind of a whirlwind this week where um, we woke up Saturday morning and we got emails from our doctors in Haiti. I, I woke up to, I think it was like 15 missed phone calls or something like that. Oh, geez. And yeah, um, kind of jumped out of bed and started getting to action and is really, really cool how things kicked off this time around because for 11 years we've been working down there and we've kind of been preparing for something else like this to happen. You know, there was that earthquake in 2010 that was absolutely devastating. Mm -hmm. And that's when our organization was born out of that and the need and the need specifically for orthopedic surgery in a time of a disaster because of the nature of the injury is in a disaster. There's a lot of broken bones and a lot of trauma that um, it's so, so important to have those capabilities. And it is one of the specialties that requires an extensive amount of equipment. So, you know, if you don't have it in place in the country already or have people that know how to do it, it's, it's hard to get it done. And then people end up with, you know, unnecessary amputations or, um, you know, lifelong injuries that cause them pain and have disabilities. And it's a really bad situation when you're living in a country that doesn't have social services to support that. It, you know, it greatly impacts your life so much more so than it would if you were living in the United States. So our founder is a phenomenal man, um, Ron Isrowski. He's an orthopedic surgeon in the United States, and he's um, built medical schools and residency programs and um, is just, he's a really, really awesome guy. Uh, he was literally watching the news when the 2010 earthquake happened and saw what was going on and decided that he needed to do something. So he basically called a bunch of people, jumped on a plane and went down there. 
and started performing surgery. And then, you know, he saw kind of the how things were in the education systems and coming from the United States medical education system, he, you know, he obviously saw some things that could be improved. And we started, he started ORSI really to give the kind of support that's like a multi-level support. So we do infrastructural support, we do educational support, and we do clinical support because it we need to make it sustainable. You know, just giving them the supplies isn't enough. The supplies will break or get used up. We need to make sustainable kind of self-sufficient systems. So for the last 11 years, we've been working down there and working to make everything just more modernized and not not trying to go in there and do it for them, but give them the tools to do it themselves because there are brilliant, brilliant surgeons down there. They just need access to the tools and the resources and the education to you know, be able to thrive. So um, kind of forgot where I was going with this, but. Well, I just anyway. want, I wanted to say one of the things that you mentioned is, is different about the way that you guys approach this is that you train and work with local surgeons. It's not, you know, obviously like you're, you're helping with relief and stuff, but you're wanting to make sure that they are equipped to be able to perform the surgeries and do the medical aid that is needed, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We always say that we want to start as a mentorship and then end as a partnership. You know, the goal isn't to, you know, kind of rule over them and tell them what to do. It's just to teach them and have scholarly collaboration and, you know, have communication where there can be you know, sharing of lectures, sharing of ideas, and really kind of strengthen each other because it's not only good for the Haitian doctors, it's also good for the American doctors because we send residents from NYU down about four times a year and they learn things like cultural competency. They, you know, get to experience things that they might not get to see in, you know, their United States medical program. Uh, I think it teaches them empathy uh, it's just, it's good all around. The more that we can come together and kind of share ideas and share education, the better off everybody is. Absolutely. That's so good. And and I love that because like you said, you're, you're trying to build sustainable systems and you're, and you're seeing that happen now with all of the stuff that's been taking place over the last week. Uh, yeah. You were, um, you were saying just before we got started with the podcast that like you're getting emails back from some of the surgeons that are down there. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the way that this, relief effort kind of came to be is so much different than it was the last time around where I literally woke up to an email from um, one of our surgeons down there, Dr. Woolley, who's this phenomenal young surgeon. He's brilliant and great leader. And we're so happy to have him as a partner. And he, he was in Miami at the time and he sprung into action. He sent out this thread. We've got, you know, agent, all different kinds of agencies and people and um, on this thread. And he's basically like, Hey, this is what we need. This is what's going on. We need supplies. We need logistical support. And you're all going to send everything to Orsi and they're going to execute it. And we're like, cool, but whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's what we've been doing. We've been, um, you know, we've been doing our thing and securing supplies, but really following the lead of what they're requesting. And it's really great after all that education and work to put it in and watch them thrive and watch them not need us to perform surgery for them, but just need us to support the 
the volume that they have to accommodate right now. Right. And there's still things that they're lacking. Like we're really trying to get them these C-arm x-rays where they don't have um, x-rays that they can use in the operating room, which is a big problem with the type of injuries that we're seeing now that where they're crush injuries and open wounds. Mm-hmm. And there's, there are these devices called external fixators. I'm, I've been learning all of this and I'm <laughs> sorry if there's anyone that's an orthopedist out there who I'm totally butchering this. This is my <laughs> explanation of it. Uh, so basically it's like, you know, when you see somebody who has a broken bone and the, they've got the pins and stuff that are sticking out, but mm-hmm. they're not, it's not internal. It's on the outside. Mm-hmm. So we're sending, we just sent a whole shipment of those down there and we got a donation from Stryker, which was so generous, a really, really large donation. And, um, but they do it that way because if there's an open wound that allows them to continue to clean it and do the wound care so that it doesn't become infected. And then, you know, that can lead to sepsis and, you know, a whole bunch of other issues. But the problem is that if you're doing an external fixator, you're kind of going through the skin I've learned I've I've learned this very recently, so (laughs) so you're kind of going through the skin and you don't have visibility of the bones, and there could be places that you miss. So in modern surgical programs like the United States, placing external fixators without the use of C-arm X-rays is kind of unheard of. Um, But you know, down there, it's the reality. They don't have these, so they do an x-ray with a portable x-ray the following following day and a lot of times people have to get taken back to the or and have things misplaced there might be a bone shard that you missed or Hmm. you know it's there's a whole host of things that can go wrong without that visibility so i guess yesterday was the big big shipment of um, external fixators that we sent down tomorrow we're sending soft goods gauze wound care um we're trying to get some antibiotics and stuff like that um and then we're trying our best to raise, I think, I think we need to raise like 50, 70 or $50,000 more. Um, I know that's a big discrepancy, but everything's been so crazy. (laughs) We'll just say 70, 70 is good. (laughs) Cover our bases. Yeah. So we're trying to raise that so that we can purchase and send these x-ray machines down. And then I feel like I haven't taken a breath. Ooh. Um, one of the other things that we're working on to go with those is biomedical support because the other problem in Haiti is things break down and they don't, there's nobody there to fix them. So, oh, sure. We, and that's something that's kind of overlooked by a lot of aid. So, I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I say like we're really trying to focus on sustainability and long term and making sure that things are actually benefiting the institutions set up in Haiti instead of just temporary aid like oh this bad thing happened we're going to give you a bunch of aid and then you know good luck with everything else right because it's it's the real world and you know there are going to be more earthquakes there are going to be things that happen there are going to be you know natural disasters hurricane right you know and they so, got hit with a tropical storm right after the earthquake and i think like 20 people died in mudslides wow. like the day after so it's um unfortunately it is just a country that's predisposed to natural disasters, which is one of the, you know, the, one of the reasons that things have been so hard for them down there is because they just can't catch a break. <laughs> right. It's like they, they just keep getting knocked down. 
right? Well, I, we we just we we love what you're doing, and I, it what's what's really really cool is watching. Because uh, we talk to nonprofits in all sorts of different stages, you know, maybe they got through kind of a tough season where they were like really working really hard and, and solving big issues, or maybe they're like preparing or they're trying to just do some good in the world and they're trying to figure it out. And so, but you're like right in the thick of it right now. This is like a defining moment for your organization. Yeah. And it is really cool to see things kicking into gear. You were talking before we got started about how like we're not sleeping. We're working <laughs> our butts off right now. We're not a huge operation, but we've just got handed all of this responsibility. It's yeah. incredible to watch. And it's and it's a good reminder for our listeners that it's that nonprofit work comes in seasons. And there are going to yeah. be times where you work your butt off and you don't sleep and it's totally worth it. But like, you got to know what you're getting yourself into as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Go for it. Saturday, the earthquake happened. Sunday, I um, came down with strep throat and it's like, good. It's something I can take antibiotics for so I don't have to stop. Like, it, it, <laughs> that's the kind of mentality I have. I said that to my husband and he gave me this look. He's like, you're nuts. I'm like, I know, but it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. I think what's happening right now with how much responsibility you've been given is such a testament to the work that you have been doing. Because when we talked before and you were talking about how you were going in with education and trying to help the systems, you all didn't come in and just set up your own staff. Can you talk a little bit about how you partnered with the structures that were already in place in Haiti so that now you have a structure that's actually built into the culture a little bit more? Yeah. So we work specifically within the state hospital system in Haiti, which is severely underfunded um, and is also the, the teaching hospital, so the university hospital. And the reason that we work there is because it is so underfunded and it's so difficult to work with in that most charities don't. Most nonprofits will set up a charity hospital where they have every bell and whistle and they have total control which is definitely a great thing to have because, um, I mean, they're sending people there for surgeries now in this time because they have the capabilities and it's so valuable to have those. But the state hospital system is what services the poorest, most vulnerable part of the population. Mm. So our goal was to really get into that institution and instead of building our own, just help to strengthen the existing institution because they have brilliant doctors. They do. They have the capability to learn and the capability to do. They don't necessarily need us to set up everything for us. They just need access to resources and access to education. So we do things like um, we've condensed orthopedic texts onto thumb drives and we send those down. Um, we have a grand round lecture that we do uh, weekly and it's orthopedic surgeons, world-class surgeons from all over the country will record lectures. We have a curriculum that is specific to the Haitian caseload. So we're always trying to be sensitive to you know, what's going on there, what materials they have available, what type of cases that they see, because you know, the even like with climate and you know, they're the cases are just gonna be a lot different. They mm -hmm. face different problems. Mm -hmm. So we be conscious of that. And um, so we send that down. We have the Federation of Trauma supported us in that too, where they helped put the Wi-Fi capability 
And then we sent down some monitors so that, um, you know, it's a big old monitor and the students can have, um, you know, broadcast lectures from the United States down there. It's, you know, it, just the sharing of knowledge and collaboration is huge. So we really entered their existing, um, their existing institution trying to support and not dictate like, what do you need? What can we do? And we have suggestions, of course, because I mean, Ron, our founder, it's, you know, he ran an entire medical school um, in New York. He actually brought this school to the Hudson Valley. um, And he's, oh gosh, he's got, his resume is like so long, it's like a book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's huge, the idea of supporting and not dictating, because you're recognizing that you are going into a place that is not the U.S., And sometimes it's really easy to think we know best, no matter where it is that we're going, whether it's helping someone in Haiti or whether it's helping someone down the street. Um, We kind of take our own little mindset of what our culture is and assume this is the best way to do it. And so to be partnering with them um, is such a unique, it shouldn't be unique, but it is unique that as an organization, you are so incredibly just conscious of that and aware of what's going on with that. It's definitely challenging, but I feel like, I don't know, it, it's, it's really, really rewarding that way, though, because it's just so much more gratifying to watch people to be able to thrive instead of just feel like you're dictating and coming in, you know, the white savior and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to fix everything and teach you how to do it. It's like, that's, that's a really dangerous misconception to have when you're going in to do aid work. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you have we have so many we have cultural blind spots, like even like what you said, like with, you know, some of the injuries that they're seeing and the conditions that they're coming down with as part of the climate. You know, we don't have certain situations that are going to need certain types of care. And if, if we weren't partnering, if you weren't partnering with the existing medical people down there, you would miss you could possibly miss some really important stuff mm-hmm. and so I, I absolutely love that I think that that's something that a lot of nonprofits struggle with because we're they're, they're all aiming to help someone but usually they're not in their shoes right they're they're outside of the situation they're trying to bring you know food to a different country or trying to help you know kids have access to education or whatever it is Usually, it's not a kid who needs education who is then trying to run a nonprofit to, to help other kids <laughs> right. who need education, right? It's going to be someone who's removed from the situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, finding ways to really like get and partner with the people who are actually in the fight and mm-hmm. see how can we support you and build you up to be able to do it in a way that works. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you, but I want to set this up a little bit. A lot of our listeners are nonprofit leaders, and I'm sure they're listening to this right now going, oh my gosh, they're doing so much. They're in charge of so much. They have all these massive donations. They're handling so much. How big is your organization? Teeny tiny. Teeny tiny, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have a lot of support, but the two main players right now are me and our founder. I yep. am the only paid employee um part of what i love that i mean like i wish you had more people right now because (laughs) you're not sleeping um but there's something about it you know we have been working on building capacity we have a plan to hire staff it's Mm -hmm. just 
a matter of getting there and getting the funding to right. get there. And for now, it's the two of us and we just rely on, you know, personal relationships that we've made. We have a lot, a lot of support, a lot of great support from other doctors in the medical community who will make donations. I mean, almost all of the materials that we shipped down yesterday and we'll send out tomorrow have been donated by, um, you know, various nonprofits and um, physicians and institutions in the country. And it's really, it's really great to have that level of support, but it would also be really great to have (laughs) or something, but (laughs) you know, we're, we're not there yet. So um, someday Um, we'll get there, but that's the goal. Yeah, you will, you'll grow there. And I really believe that as you're going through this, like there's always those moments where you're either preparing for it or when it happens, that's how your capacity is forced to grow because we can try to grow our capacity as we're going, but it really comes down to the trial by fire. All right, we're growing it right now and you'll see just huge dividends off the back end in terms of the impact that you're making in the lives of people and then also with your organization because when you said that it was you and the founder, like that right there was so many nonprofits, it's easy to say, well, it's just two of us, our size is small, therefore our impact is small. And you are showing that in the process of working to build your capacity and your connections and working and networking and knowing these different people, um, your impact is not limited by how much people think, oh, is it a big organization or it's a small organization? Yeah, how, how many staff are you employing? Right. Like the very fact that you are having this much impact, I think is a great thing for other nonprofit leaders to keep in mind, because yeah. I'm sure if a year ago or six months ago, someone would have said, hey, guess what? You're going to be put in charge of this, of getting relief to Haiti for a natural disaster. Um, I don't know that you would have thought that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely wouldn't think that um, it would be possible to pull it together like 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 Mm. we are. I think one of the keys is that we do partner with the local population and the state hospital system. So we don't have to have all the staff and overhead that you would have to have if you were like building your own hospital and running it. Mm -hmm. We are kind of the intermediary, the enablers, where we're Mm -hmm. giving the education and all the lecturers, you know, they're doing it on a volunteer basis. So even though our organization is small, we've built a large support network of people that aren't necessarily involved on the everyday, but we can call them up when we need something. Mm-hmm. And um, that's huge. It just shows what you know networking can do. And you know, one of the things that we talk about when we when we work with nonprofits is how important it is to build trust over time with the people who are bringing donations, people who are volunteering, the people who are you know part of the organization, whether it's staff or they're a little bit outside. You guys have done an incredible job of building that trust through um, your systems that you've built. I mean, people look at look at you guys and they're like okay, we're going to donate tons of stuff because we know that they can pull it off because of the systems they've built. And I think that's really important for nonprofits to keep in mind is the systems that we build are going to be a, a basically a, a green light for donators, for funders, for volunteers to say, this is worth investing in. We have, we have, we have $10,000 to give to Haiti Relief. This is the organization we need to put it in right now. You know, and because there are lots of different organizations that could be receiving donations right now and are receiving donations right now for Haiti relief. Right. 
but you guys are receiving huge amounts of medical supplies and all that stuff because of the work that you've done up to this point. Yeah. And I mean, our founder, I, I give him a, pretty much all of the credit for it. <laughs> he's just, he's kind of a force of nature where um, he's, people don't forget him <laughs> and <laughs> sure. he gets things done. He's pretty tenacious. So I'm very, very lucky that I kind of fell into this role because him and I, we kind of work like the yin and the yang. He's the real force of nature and I'm kind of the maybe calming force a little bit. <laughs> we, we work extremely well together, which is a reason that we've been so effective, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm pretty much doing my dream job. And I'm saying that after like sleepless nights and, you know, having like one of the most stressful work weeks ever that it's still like, it's, it's, Still, I feel fortunate to be able to do what I'm doing right now. That is fantastic. That says a lot. <laughs> um, when you get to the end of a hard week and you say, this is my dream job, that is, yes. I'm so happy for you. Um, <laughs> yes, because I think a lot of people get started in nonprofit work and think the dream job is going to be, oh, it's fun. It's easy. I get to help people. But really, there are grueling moments. Um, mm -hmm. And just seeing what you're doing, I'm so thankful that you are in that position not thankful it happened but thankful that there's an organization who is running with this to really support the people of haiti as they are recovering and as they are needing so much help um we do have a couple more questions but i just want to remind our listeners um please donate um this organization is fantastic haiti needs our help uh, you can donate at orsinternational.org click on the donate now button um, they are looking to raise about seventy thousand more dollars um, and every single dollar helps so even if you're like i have five bucks ten bucks a hundred bucks ten thousand dollars um whatever you can do is going to help um, them be able to accomplish what they're trying to do down there and help the people of haiti right now yeah. all of our donations that are coming in the next couple of days or weeks are going to go directly to the donation relief um we've you know put all of them as restricted funds just for the relief in haiti because that's what need what's needed right now mm -hmm. so you you know that you're going to have a pretty direct immediate impact by making a donation awesome so looking forward, um, I know you haven't slept really in the last week. Um, what are kind of the biggest things that you're looking to tackle over the next couple of weeks? And what do you foresee the need being over the next couple of months? Well, so the first thing is to get those C-arm x-rays down there. That's number one. We need those so that they can just have an easier time with those external fixations. And um, there's going to be, it's going to be weeks of, you know, surgery there, it's not, you know, that it happens and it's over, you know, orthopedics, there's healing and mm -hmm. lots of stuff that needs to happen. So I'm told, um, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still learning. I've been, I've been taking crash courses in orthopedics cause I'm an art history major. So, uh, <laughs> I've been doing my best, but it really, really, the fact that I can say all this stuff really does say something about how phenomenal the educators are that work with us. <laughs> so, um, that's that's number one i mean that's been a project that we've been wanting to do for six months we've been trying to you know get the fund funds and everything together and we've just really kind of pumped up the uh, urgency for it now because i mean 
they need it now more than ever. They needed it before and it's essential now. Uh, so that's the big one. Um, I mean, before all of this happened, we were really working on capacity building. And I had this lovely plan that's just been blown out of the water, you know, this <laughs> part with, you know, staff that we need to hire and, you know, what the functions are going to be and how much we need to raise for a yearly budget. And um, I'm going to have to redo all that. I had binders and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but such is nonprofit work. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you never know when a freaking earthquake is going to blow your, you know, beautifully color-coded binders out of the water. It, <laughs> you got to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard someone explain nonprofit work kind of like surfing, where it's like there are times when there's a wave coming in and you need to just figure out how to ride that wave and yep. take it as far as you can. Um, and I mean, it's sort of a weird analogy in this situation because usually surfing is like f a fun event, but this is like, you have to figure out like, a, Hey, there's urgency right now. People are ready to listen. People are ready to act. They are ready to actually take some action and see things change for the better in Haiti. And unfortunately, you know, a random person in the American population or across the world isn't probably going to think about Haiti every day, you know, yeah. but in situations like this, they are thinking about Haiti. And so it's really important to take advantage of that and say, now is the time that we need to do something and get them on board. And this is where people are going to start to develop a passion for the country, develop a passion for uh, orthopedic relief and all that stuff. So what you guys are doing and just doubling down on this and saying this is the time we need to not sleep and just really go for it is so, so important. Um, and when I think, too, about, like you said, you had, like, this plan that you put in place and you're like, yeah. we're going to grow the capacity and all that stuff. That's just like surfing, too. There are times where you have, like, a plan and then no waves come and you're like, okay, now now what do I do? <laughs> Again, maybe re rethink how the plan works. and uh, But now your your plans for the future are going to be so much better informed because you're going to you're going to see, I mean, you're already seeing exactly what's needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the keys for us now is to keep this momentum going because it's not only in the earthquake, you know, in the wake of a natural disaster, that our work is important because we're right. laying the groundwork for self-sufficiency and preparing for the next disaster, which I mean, we're a relief organization. That's what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And we have, ideas in the long term that we would like to be able to respond to disasters, not just in Haiti, but in other countries as well. Um, we've talked about, you know, how the the effort has gone this time around and, you know, come up with some ideas like maybe having a warehouse with pallets ready to go so that we don't have to wait for things to be shipped and we can get the relief there immediately. Hmm. So. I think that we're going to have to really, really sit down and revise our strategic plan based on what we've learned here, because um, all the things that I outlined before going through this no longer seem as important or as relevant. And I think that's <laughs> important to actually learn and take away from absolutely the experience. And that so, is so good. Um, so, yeah, the to to be determined, I guess. is. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is just to continue with the support and continue with the education and keep building. And um, we would like to add more state hospitals to our partnership. There are two that we have the capacity to support right now. Uh, we would like to add two more by the end of the year and get our education programs and our grand, um, grand rounds lectures um, visible to them or broadcast to them. Sure. So it's 
we don't, I think that for us, it's really important that we stick with the mission and stick with what we're doing. And rather than expanding our projects, we expand our impact. That is absolutely 100% wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be too tempting to be like, oh, let's just do all the things. And it's like, we're really good at this one thing. Let's knock it out of the park and make sure that, you know, we just expand that impact, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited to ask you, we have one final question we ask all of our podcast guests. I'm really excited to ask you this because I think you're going to have a really interesting answer. No what, pressure, though. No pressure. <laughs> what What does the idea of leaving a legacy mean to you and mean to Orsi? I think to us, it means that the, I mean, really that we can have an exit strategy and that we can step out and move somewhere else and they can thrive and we can just cheer them on and, you know, be a partner and collaborate, um, but no longer need to really aid and assist. I think that is the legacy that we want to build. Um, and that's the entire goal of our organization. We're hoping to get there someday. Um, that I think that would be the absolute best legacy that we could leave is just one where they can thrive without you. I love that. Haven't be able to have an exit strategy like that is that is so good. I've never heard Mm -hmm. someone say that before. Like my legacy is we're not there. (laughs) Like that's so. But but it's beautiful because it's not there and they're left alone. Like they're they're left with everything that you built into them and that they were able to build themselves. And we'll still be there as partners. Right. Right. That's um, we're never gonna just you know leave and say peace, but. the more that they can do without us assisting us, assisting them, the better it mm-hmm. is. And they're, you know, we'll, I'll, we'll find another place that needs it and do it over again. But um, that's that's ultimately our goal. And we've, uh, Ron and I, our founder, we talk quite a bit about exit strategy and how to, um, you know, do this in a way that we're not going to leave a void if hmm. or see for some reason cease to exist or we can't you know because life happens things happen mm-hmm. um, you never know and if or see suddenly not able to give them aid we we don't want to leave this void where things just collapse upon it absolutely so. well thank you so much for being here could you um tell people where they can find more information about Orsi? um you can pitch anything you want also <laughs> listeners please donate but would you please share yeah, um, so we our website, uh, www.orsinternational.org. There's a lot of information. Um, the, we also have a Facebook and a LinkedIn and a soon-to-be Instagram, which will probably be launching later today. Oh, and cool. it's all under Orsi. That's kind of the name that we usually go by because it's a heck of a lot shorter than Orthopedic Relief Services International. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls off the tongue a little easier. Awesome. We will have all those links um, in the show notes as well. So absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Deanna. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersINTL.com. 